and they know that you know if people are mailing to this old address that nobody has checked in years that means you're probably not doing a good job cleaning up your list and that's another sign to them that you're not following best practices Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 93 of the McMethod email marketing podcast where, as I said last week, you're going to discover just how to get more sales, how to get more customers. You know, this is the, it's an email marketing podcast, but at the end of the day, this is just marketing. It's just getting sales. And what you learn here, you can apply to anything. You can apply to email, email marketing. You can apply to your sales page. You can apply to your webinar, on and on and on and on. Right, and as you spend more time with this stuff, as you go through these podcasts, you will discover that a lot of this stuff is carryover. Okay, so you can learn about email; it's going to make you a better sales page writer, for example, and uh, and that's what I love about it. Okay, so today I'll be talking to again Matt Paulson. Now Matt came on the show a while back to talk about some uh, rules of entrepreneurship, and today he's back because he emailed me a little while back saying that he's uh, got 120,000 email subscribers. He's sending 4 million emails a month. And uh, during the time, you know, this has been growing his business, he has discovered a few things about email deliverability. Because when you're sending 4 million emails a month to 120,000 different people, you're going to run into some issues, issues in terms of how to get your email into the inbox, past the promotions tab, how you're going to avoid those bounces, how, you, how do you avoid a bad reputation with Google and Yahoo and those kind of things if you get too many spam complaints. So all these different things add up. And uh, like I said, when you're sending that many emails to that many subscribers, just a a few small percentage uh, point bumps in your, say, open rates or in your deliverability rates can mean tens of thousands of dollars or if not more to the business. So it's it's an amazing – it's a really – valuable topic to learn about. So he's on the show today to talk about that. To get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 93. Now I've got a quick McMaster's inside of the week this week. It is what software should you use for your autoresponder? I may have mentioned this before, but I feel it's worth repeating because I get asked this a lot by by clients, by people emailing me and these different things. Everyone worries or wonders, or both, about what software they need. Should they use Aweber, or Drip, or Entreport, or Infusionsoft, or you know something like Salesforce, or Exact Target? Like, at what level? What software should you use? And the answer is going to vary on the, based on the size of the bid, uh, based on the size of the business and the complexity of the operation. However, generally speaking, just pick one. They all do very much the same thing. If you want a fully fledged CRM, go get something like uh, Exact Target or Salesforce. If you just want like a basic autoresponder, Aweber will do fine. Drip will do fine. If you want some, you know, marketing automation stuff, go with something like Drip. You've also got Active Campaign. But don't stress over this. Don't think that software is the most important decision here. The main thing, if you want to get email marketing set up on your business, is just to start sending the damn emails. It's not to get the perfect software. They all do very much the same thing in slightly different ways. But at the end of the day, it's it really is the same thing. Just pick one, go with it, get it running. That's it. Okay. Now the other thing is reviews. I love reviews. I eat them for breakfast when I can. Uh, I, seriously, though, when I wake up and uh, and I check my computer, and I look at the podcast reviews. It really does make my day. It does make this worthwhile. You can probably tell that I do enjoy this. I do have fun recording these podcasts, 
chasing after guests and having a bit of fun with myself like this. But I also love to get the feedback in the reviews. Uh, I sometimes get emails from people saying, oh man, I love this. But, and those are great. I love those emails. But, but uh, when it comes to the podcast, the best thing you can do if you want to uh, say thank you or show your support, jump over into iTunes or uh, Stitcher, I think is the one if you use an Android. If you have an Android phone, jump over to iTunes, search for the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast and leave me a review. Make it four or five stars if you can. Or not. Whatever floats your boat. And uh, tell me what you think about the show. And, uh, and I'll wake up and I'll eat it for breakfast. I'll just smile. I'll feel all happy and joyful about the day, okay? So yeah, that's it for now. Now, let's get into this interview with Mr. Matt Paulson on how to increase your email deliverability. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Matt Paulson. Now, Matt was uh, on the podcast a while back, episode 69, and uh, we talked about the seven deadly sins of first-time entrepreneurship, about a book that he was uh, publishing, which, uh, which went out a little while ago. But uh, Matt actually hit me up recently to say that he's learned all this stuff about deliverability, how to get you know, emails into the inbox, not because he's working at SangGrid or anything like that, but because he's just a guy who's sending a huge amount of emails. So he hit me up and he said, here, I got all these notes. How about we get on and we talk about, we talk about deliverability and how to, how to really uh, overcome some of the common, I guess, limitations when you're trying to send email, trying to get email into someone's inbox. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how to get up, I guess, more open rates. More, at the end of the day, it means more sales. So that's the yep. simple, simple side of it. So Matt, how are you going today? Uh, I'm doing well. So I publish a daily investment newsletter and we have I think about 117,000 people that get that daily email. Um, so that ends up being between you know, three and four million emails a month we, we send out to our subscribers. So we have sent out a lot of email. We've been through a couple of different email service providers. It's kind of along the way in the last three years that I've been sending out this newsletter. You know, I've learned just a lot of different things and kind of the best practices, mostly by you know, making a lot of mistakes and uh, having ESPs yell at me, but uh, I think I, I, you know, it's starting to get it figured out. And I thought uh, it might be a good idea for us to talk about some of those things because you know there are a lot of people that send a lot of email, uh, you know, that listen to your podcast, and hopefully they could they could benefit from some of this stuff as well. One thing I'm I'm curious about it's probably you know probably the biggest objection that we you know we're going to probably find here with someone listening is that uh, you know. I'm not technical enough, you know, that's, you know, I'm not saying that for me, but I mean, like, someone's going to be listening and thinking, man, this is all great and everything, but I'm not a techie guy, so is the stuff you're going to share today, is that something that anyone can implement, or do you need to be, like, a tech wizard to kind of set this up? Um, for the most part, you, you don't need to be a tech wizard, you just need to be able to, you know, log in your web hosting account and, you know, make changes to your DNS records, which is just clicking around, it's, you know, there are a lot of guides to do it, so you step-by-step online to do these things, so it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's not rocket science. Some of it you might need a developer to change some stuff in your software, but for the most most of it, you can do probably eight, you know eighty percent of it yourself without uh, you know much help from anybody. Cool. Okay. Well, let's get into it, man. Where's uh, I mean, you've uh, you've brought up these uh, amazing notes here. Where would you like to start? You've got the yep. So I, I it's broken down into I think six different things, I guess. Um, so they're kind of best practices. Um, okay you know, what you should be doing. Uh, the first thing is that you should really use an email service provider. Uh, so this is somebody like SendGrid, AUEber, MailChimp, Drip, Mandrill. You know, some of them will just send your email on your behalf. Some of them will kind of manage your mailing list too, you know, like MailChimp and AUEber do. Um, so there's different levels kind of depending on, on what you need, obviously. And I'm guessing most people that subscribe to this podcast already have one of those. Um, but I, I think it, it's, you know, if you're sending mail from your own server, like if you're using Sendy and you set up SMTP or you're using some WordPress plugin that sends email from your server, that's just a really bad idea. Mm. Um, 
So basically, uh, when you pay somebody to send you an email on your behalf and manage your mailing list, they do a lot of nice things for you. Um, I actually use SendGrid. Uh, I pay thirteen hundred bucks a month to send that much, uh, you know, three four million emails, and it, it's really a situation uh, of you get what you pay for. Um, SendGrid worries a lot, of, you know, worries about a lot of different stuff for me, which is really nice. Um, they monitor blacklist daily, blacklist on a daily basis. They uh, you know, monitor my IP reputation. They just make sure I'm following all the best practices. They make sure I'm on whitelist, and uh, these are, you know, all things that we'll talk about. But um, when you're paying kind of a high-end um, ESP, you know, they're kind of worried about the best practices for you. Um, it'll make your life a little bit easier. Right. And you know, once you once you have a big email list, if you can, you know, follow best practices and you know improve your open rates by five, ten, five or ten percent just by doing all the right things, that you know, that leads to real money. So it's you know, in my opinion, it's definitely worth the investment to, to pay for you know, a good service. Right. One thing uh, I just want to touch on, I've got a couple of things here, but the first thing is what's really the benefit here in the long run? I mean, we talked about more sales, but can you just give a bit more, like what's it done for you by focusing on more of this stuff? How has your business changed thanks to all this stuff? It, it certainly has. Um, I think by, by you know, trying to do all the right things, um, certainly my daily newsletters never show up in a spam folder. So you know, people actually see it, they open it, they engage with the content. They click on ads. They sign up for premium subscriptions, um, just at a higher rate. So it's kind of been uh, a multiplying factor. You, you just get more. You get people to do more of what you want them to do. You know, more people that see your messages is obviously the better, and um, will lead to more sales and more customers and more of what you're looking for. So it's right. I was going to say, if you think about it, it's bit, if you think about the list as like a tree or a plant in the garden, the uh, mm-hmm. you know focusing on the stuff that we're talking about today is just, it's a bit like putting fertilizer in the garden. You're going to be able to get more uh, from your crop, <laughs> you know, more from that plant that you're growing, which is your email list, right? Yep. Okay. And there's a a couple of other things at ESPs. Um, you should really have a good idea of what what they're doing for you and what they're not doing for you. Yep. Like I think like you know Aweber, they're not going to set up your SPF records or. Um, anything like that for you. You should kind of know what the best practices are and kind of know what they're doing for you and what you're not doing for what they're not doing for you. So if there's something they're not doing, then you know you should do it yourself. Um, and that's just you just basically have to ask them and say, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? Mm. Or it'll show on their website. And if they don't, then you know that it's something you need to worry about. And then the other kind of related tip is if you're sending out a lot of email and if you're, especially if you're not like doing a double opt-in newsletter that's really boring. Um, if you're doing anything that's aggressive, I, I suggest having a backup email service provider. Mm. Um, so we we have SendGrid as kind of our primary, but you know I have Mandrel set up with a dedicated IP address there, just in case anything ever happened to my SendGrid account. Um, mm. I used to send email through Amazon SES, and there was an issue where they thought my you know my financial newsletter was some kind of penny stock scam, which obviously this it isn't. But when you have you know maybe a Pakistani you know customer service person that doesn't understand the financial markets. Trying to decide whether or not you're violating their policy or not, it's you're not always going to get um, a result that's consistent with what their you know terms actually say. So, in order to just make sure I've got that 100% you know uptime and deliverability, I have it set up so I can switch over to Manjaro in a second if I need to. Right. One thing here is that uh, there's a guy that I talk to quite a bit via email, Etienne. Etienne. I spoke to him recently. We did a podcast here. He also goes by Carl. Anyway, I just mentioned his mm-hmm. name because he's probably going to listen to this at some point. And I know that he sends mail uh, via his own 
he's very big on his own uh, having his own server and we've kind of gone back and forth and he's saying man you're <laughs> giving up all these you know extra sales or extra open rates or extra whatever by just sending from an email service provider instead of setting it up on your I mean he's set up as far as I know on like a, a private server uh, he's, you know, <laughs> so his own server with his own software and everything like that and apparently you know he gets 100% deliverability and he's really really big on that so what would you say to someone like him in that position you know you you can do that if you're going to be worrying about every all of the different things we talk about on this podcast so you would if you want to do that that's fine but then you have to recognize that you know hey I need to become the expert in deliverability and if there's a problem it's my fault and that there's nobody I can ask yeah um, so if you know for me it's a matter of focus I'd rather be the guy focused on you know writing the emails and getting them sent out and versus being a guy that's you know making sure they actually get there yeah you know I see if I'm on a blacklist like I got a Verizon blacklist last week I just sent an email to my you know, dedicated support rep. I said, "Hey, take care of this." An hour later, he said, "Don't worry about it. You're off the list." Wow. Um, so it was. It's nice not to have to worry about that kind of stuff. It's just much fewer headaches, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you certainly do it the other way, but uh, that's not not what I've chosen to do, and I think that's made my life easier as a result. Okay. Okay. So it's a case of. Uh, I mean, you can do it. But yeah, you're really you know, you're splitting up your energy a lot more. So you know, if you've got plenty of time, go do it. But uh, in most cases, it's going to be your you, time's better invested, better spent on the emails and growing the business itself, not just the email list. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So let's uh, let's move on to I guess thing number two. Let's do and it. And that is uh, list engagement really matters. Um, so the big four ISPs that's Google, Yahoo, AOL, and uh, Hotmail or Outlook.com, they are paying a lot more attention to you know whether or not users are engaging to your emails. Um, you know they only have a limited amount of data available. So they know if people open your emails, they know if they click a link in your emails, they know if they replied to your emails. Um, but it's, I mean, those are really the only ways that people, you know, or the email service providers can tell, you know, whether or not that was a message that you actually wanted. Um, so if, you know, they see that people are opening your emails, they're clicking through on your emails, they're replying to your emails, um, then they know that, you know, messages from John's email list are emails that people actually want because they're highly engaged with them. And then if you're just sending, you know, a whole bunch of emails and nobody's opening them, clicking through them, replying to them, then they know that, you know, these are emails that people probably don't want a lot of. And uh, that means, you know, your messages are, are less likely to get into the inbox yep. and more likely to get stuck in a spam folder. Mm. Uh, and there are, go ahead. I was going to say, there's, there's a lot of huge stuff that, I mean, stuff that I do, we did a podcast with the guy from Entreport, the postmaster there, so the deliverability guy over there. And he, he mentioned a few things. Now, what I've done is, is, uh, you know, I ask people to reply to the first email. And then the second email is the same thing. So first email is like reply and answer these questions. Email number two is, uh, did you get my email? And by the way, can you just answer another question for me? So get them to reply yep. to the first email. So it's amazing how many people actually reply to those emails. And then mm -hmm. uh, there's emails throughout the rest of the sequence that do get replies, maybe every few weeks. And there's always a link going somewhere. It's not always to a sales page. It could be to a blog post or an article. Yep. That's just some of the ways that I'm doing it. Absolutely. So the other kind of good engagement tip is to actively remove bad email addresses from your list. Um, so if somebody you know clicks the spam complaint button and you get that spam report through your ESP, or if they have a hard bounce and you know the email service provider says, yeah, this is a bad address, you should really take them off your list right away. Yeah. Um, if a soft bounce, meaning like their inbox is full or something stupid like that, um, you can usually wait you know two or three bounces before you remove them. So it's um, I, I've seen people that like have you know thirty percent of their emails are bad and they keep mailing to them even though that like they're never going to get through. Yeah. And uh, you know spam re or the spam list in the ESPs you know they they look for this kind of thing. Um, 
there are actually like old email addresses that become what are called honeypots. And they know that, you know, if people are mailing to this old address that nobody has checked in years, that means you're probably not doing a good job cleaning up your list. And that's another sign to them that uh, you're not following best practices and maybe people don't want your email. Then another thing is, um, you know, if somebody doesn't open an email from you for like 12 months, you should probably just take them off your list. If people aren't engaged, you know, for that long and they don't open a single email or they don't click a single link, you know, your emails are probably are in a dead inbox or they're getting routed to some folder that nobody ever looks at. Mm. And I mean, it, it costs you money to have people on your list. So if they're not engaged at all, I think it's okay just to take them off the list at that point. Would you send them an email saying, you know, unsubscribe them and then send them an email saying, hey, look, you haven't opened an email from us in 12 months. We just unsubscribed you. If you want to resubscribe, click here. Yep. So what I do is I actually do, I think, six months just because based on the amount of mail we send. Um, so at, at the six-month point, they get like three emails saying, hey, um, if you don't tell us that you keep wanting this email or these emails, by this date, uh, we're going to take you off the list. So they get three emails, and the last one says, hey, you're off the list. If you uh, want to reactivate your subscription, just click this link. Mm. And some people do, and a lot of people don't. So it's uh, How many do you uh, get to keep? I'm curious. What do you mean? Oh, like, I, mean uh, I guess how would you track the success of that? Um, I, I guess I don't. I guess I could see what the open rates for that, you know, click-through rates for that email is. But mm. I, I know it does get some people, and I think... Sometimes people like they aren't tracked as opens because they might only have like text email and they or they don't ever click the show images button. Mm. So that's kind of a good way to catch those people that might be active even if the software says that they aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So let's uh move on to thing number three. Thing and number that's, three. Uh, that's uh setting up your DNS verification records. So there are some uh, different technologies or kind of systems that people have set up over the years. Just to basically say that, you know, hey, this is email is actually from this IP address and this domain name. Uh, the first one was called SPF, and that stands for Sender Policy Framework. Mm. And that basically says, you know, is this domain name, does this domain name have permission, to, or does this IP address have permission to send from this domain name? So it's basically signs, you know, your email saying, yep, this is from this IP address from mattpaulson.com, and mattpaulson.com says this IP address can send on their behalf. So this is this is something that like I don't think Aweber or even like a lot of the services don't do by default if you're sending from your own domain name, mm. and I, I definitely recommend um, making sure you have this done regardless of who sends your emails, so whether you just, or not it's you or somebody else. So um, you really need to set up these like so if I'm sending through I'm using Drip right now I'm not sure if they do it, but I have no. to go into my say you know hosting account and set up SPF records for my domain right. Yep, because um, they obviously they don't have access to your DNS records so they can't do it for you. Uh, um, so you should make sure that you know you have that done. The uh, second technology there is called DKIM. It's uh, basically um, short for domain keys, and that will do kind of a public, you know, private key encryption that basically proves that every individual message will be signed by your server to verify that it's from your domain name and it's not forged. Hmm. So it's kind of the next step, and How then do you the set newest. That up? One, um, it's basically the same process. So like uh, Aweber or Mailchimp or whoever, they'll provide you these like the records to put in. Yeah. And then you just have to do it and then they verify it and then it makes sure you know you can test to make sure it's actually working. Right. And that was DKIM. Yep. Okay. And then the newest one uh, kind of in that set it's called DMARC, D M A R C, and that basically specifies it kind of builds upon SPF and DKIM. It just says, you know, what should we do with the emails that kind of fail this test? So you can say if it doesn't match my SPF records, just go ahead and delete the email. Um, or you can say, if it doesn't match my SPF records, um, you know, treat it as gray mail. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's spam or 
you can just say let it all through, which obviously nobody would recommend. Mm. DMARC is probably less necessary than the other two. Do um, you use DMARC? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. so. I think I think if you do it wrong, it can really screw things up. And That's I what I was thinking. Yeah, if you, if you forget one of the domains you've used to send email, it's in an email account somewhere. All of a sudden, yeah. your emails might just go missing. Yeah, so I haven't set that up yet. I might at some point in the future, but SPF and DCAM are kind of the 90% of the way there. And does this make, like, uh, you know, when you set this up, is this going to, does this generally make, a, I guess, a boost or, or an increase in, I guess, deliverability rates? Uh, I think it does because, I mean, you know, service providers check for that. They, you know, they look for signs that, you know, your domain name, your IP address is valid. They might look for, like, an SSL certificate. They might check to make sure there's actually a mail server there. They might check your, you know, your DNS verification records, a lot of things like that. It's just basically, you know, what are the signs that this is a real website and a real domain that people are actually using? And those are definitely kind of at the top of the list. Okay. So then kind of a secondary to that, and this really matters if you're running your own mail server. It's called a reverse DNS. Um, so basically with, you know, your DNS records, it points, you know, your domain name to this IP address. And then the reverse DNS basically says that this IP address belongs to this domain name. And uh, a lot of mail servers will reject email if that's not set up properly. Um, I've seen that in my own bounce records. Uh, when I was sending mail on my behalf, I'd see that um, messages, you know, maybe 3 or 4% of messages would just get rejected because that wasn't set up. So um, if you have, if for whatever reason you're sending out mail on your behalf and you have a dedicated IP address, your web host can set that up for you. I don't think you can do it yourself, but uh, you just ask them and they'll do it for you. Yeah. So in the event that you are doing that, that's uh, definitely something to, to get done. Okay. They're up to thing number four, tip number four. Yep, and that is to uh, manage your kind of email reputation, your, your IP reputation, your domain reputation, and kind of keep an eye on block list. So, uh, you know, the reputation of your IP address, you know, that used to be the main focus, and now the trend is kind of moving more towards uh, domain reputation because, you know, if you're a spammer and you're on a domain name, you can always switch to a different IP address if you get blacklisted. Mm. Um, so now it's, uh, you know, really more on a domain name is kind of where some of the focus is. Um, you know, if you're on a share, you know, a, sh- a pool of shared IP addresses, like if you're with like, you know, the like Amazon SES or SendGrid or MailChimp or any of those that uh, where you don't have a dedicated IP addresses, they actually take care of it for you because that way, I mean, you're sharing an IP address with five or six other people. So that that could be nice and that they worry about it all for you, but it could be bad and that somebody else's spammy would neg- negatively affect your IP address, which would be, you know, bad news. Right. Um, so I think I think if you have any decent amount of mail, 100,000 emails a month, like anywhere close to that. At that point, you know, I think you should have a dedicated IP dedicated IP address because that way, you know, your authority um, and reputation is based solely on what you send and it won't be affected by anybody else. So there are a couple of tools that can really help you monitor these things. One is a service called senderscore.org, and that's put on by a company called ReturnPath, which is um, big in the deliverability space, but it basically gives your IP address, you know, kind of a score to say this is how you know legit we think we are, your IP address is, senderscore.org. And okay. then there's a really cool uh, tool to check blacklist. It's called multi-RBL, and John can put that link in the show notes. Yep. Um, but it'll basically check over 100 different blacklists to see if your domain name or your IP address is on you know, a blacklist. And you know, it basically runs you know, for a couple minutes and says, hey, these are the issues we found. Go take care of them. Um, you want to search for both your domain name and your IP address. And it, if you find yourself on a blacklist, um, it happens more often than you think I get blacklisted maybe once a week by some little no-name blacklist that nobody uses, but mm. I take care of it anyway. Um, so 
I just have my assistant, you know, on a weekly basis, check, you know, my IP addresses, my domains against that list. And if there's any issue, she tells me about them and then I can just go ahead and fill out the form. It's usually yeah. takes two minutes for each one, but it's, it's really easy to get off them. I mean, they're looking more for people that won't even bother to take the time to maintain their reputation. As a, so if yeah. you tell them, nope, I'm not a spammer, they're, they're basically take you off their list. That's interesting. I just looked up the sender score for uh, for the McMethod.com and it's telling me uh, I'm missing the SPF record. I got everything yeah. else, it looks like, but uh, SPF record's missing. Yeah, so there you I go. should do something. <laughs> Let's get that sorted. Yeah. So uh, I guess we're going to call thing number five. Thing number five. It's called follow best practices and I guess that's uh, a generic term for everything else that kind of didn't fit into um, you know everything. <laughs> but it's uh, one, just be can spam compliant. And that uh, it's really simple to you know be in compliance with that. Um, basically, it's put your your mailing address on um, in your email. Have an unsubscribe link. Use your real name. Don't like put don't fake stuff, mm. and don't say it's it's from Matt Paulson when it's really from John McIntyre. Mm. Um, you, you can you can Google all the requirements, but it's it's really simple. It's your real name, your address, and an unsubscribe link. Basically, and you know it's I think you have to identify it as commercial email, so you can just say. This is an advertising email somewhere in the footer, and you're you're fine. So you, do you? So you've um. I think you mentioned unsubscribe links. Do you put them at the top and the bottom, or just the bottom? I actually do both. Um, Why is that? I think you know if somebody if I have it on the top, people are going to make a decision whether or not they're going to click the spam button or the unsubscribe button. So I'd rather have them click the unsubscribe button if it's it's really easy to get to, because hmm. that way they know they're getting off the list and they're not just like complaining about me. Because yeah. I mean, if they're clicking the spam button, they don't want your emails. So I'd rather have them click my button and then not have a spam report against me. Right, right. Okay. The other thing uh, with unsubscribes is, um, you know, in Gmail, now at the top, sometimes if the mailing list has it set up right, there will be like an unsubscribe link in kind of the header uh, next to your name. Yeah. So there's this new unsubscribe header that's been out for a while, and that gives you kind of a little bit of a deliverability bump. And just by having that there, you know, when, you know, if you click the spam report on Google and that's set up, it'll say, hey, do you want to report spam or do you just want to unsubscribe? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a nice way to, uh, you know, turn what would be spam reports into unsubscribes, which, you know, are more preferable. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, one of the other things to, you know, follow best practices is uh, just to format your email properly. So you should have a, an HTML version of your email, a plain text version of your email. Um, you know, if you're going to do an HTML email, you should uh, have the opening, closing HTML tags. You know, they look for properly formatted email. Yeah. So if you're you're using an ESP, you don't have to worry about this so much. But if you're sending your own email, you do have to worry about that. Yeah. So that's basically that. Okay. Then Pretty simple. The last and final thing is uh, thing six, and that is just to kind of review your deliverability on a weekly basis. Okay. So if you're with SendGrid or with Mandro or whoever, you should just log into your account on a weekly basis, you know, every Monday and just see, you know, how is my deliverability rate the last week? You know, if it's, you know, I usually stick around 99.5%. So I know if it drops below that, um, there might be an issue. So I just go back and look at the previous week and, you know, if the rates look good, then I don't do anything. And, you know, if the number went down, then I go and check and see if there was an issue. Right. One, um, one thing I've had, because I'm using, I mean, a lot of these, you know, whether it's Aweber or a lot of the other providers, they don't seem to provide, well, I've never found it like a deliverability score. It's probably intentional from there. They don't want people looking at that. But I've been using a site called uh, Mail Monitor app that I'm looking at right now. I got good deliverability in like 100% and most of the time, sometimes it's 96, 98. But Hotmail sure. is terrible. I got one email here right now that's 0% in Hotmail. Sometimes it's 100, but the average must be like 50 or 60%. So Yeah, Hotmail, they, uh, they, they give you like a, a green, yellow, red score. And I'm not quite sure 
how that works exactly. I think um, that SendGrid put out a guide about emote deliverability. They have some stuff about Hotmail in there. That's uh, worth okay. checking out. Hotmail looks like they're strict. They're, they're stricter, or they're, they're evaluating it on a, a little bit differently to the others. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're all a little bit different. Um, mm. It's just you know you worry about the kind of big four and you know the little older ones. Are, you don't worry about so much, but I mean, yeah. you do, but you don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and the other thing is, you know, just to you know check what your open rates are. If you see a big drop in your opens, you know that might mean the emails got delivered, but they all showed up in a spam folder. Mm. And then you know, are people actually clicking through the emails and I like to look back and see like what emails did I send that had like really high click through rates, and then what did I do in them to get people to take that action? Yeah, yeah. It's so a nice way to look at trends. Absolutely, I think that's that, that's a really good piece of advice. Where you really should, you know, people should really look at what's been working for them in the past, and then try and replicate that. Because some emails, and this is just like a general business thing. Like I've noticed for me, like people respond really well to templates and checklists and any sort of done for you sort of thing. So if I have an email about here's some templates, click here to download the templates there, that gets a really high open rate if the templates are in the subject line and a really high click-through rate. But if I mention like a download an ebook or something, it's not going to get anywhere near the same amount of response. So this is kind of like just a, just a long term. You've got to notice what people respond to. Absolutely. So that's, uh, that's basically it for, for thing six. So the quick review is of the uh, six things is uh, number one, you as, an, you as an ESP. Number two is that uh, list engagement matters. Three is Set up your DNS verification records. Four is manage your reputation and keep an eye on block list. Five is just to follow best practices. And six is to review your email deliverability on a weekly basis. Cool. I was going to say, how do you, because I'm an, I use mailmonitorapp.com. Do you know of any, you know, do, is there any other service you recommend for checking deliverability? Um, for me, I mean, SendGrid does it all for me. So I've never had to look into that. Um, ah, okay. One, a very high end one is called Return Path. You know, they work with people that are even bigger than me, but they charge like $10,000 a year, so I haven't paid for that yet. So they'll, uh, what do they do? They basically get you onto different whitelists so that ISPs, you know, look upon you more favor- favorably. Yeah. I think if my list were probably about twice the size it is now, I'd probably think about that, but uh, I don't think it's quite worth me paying ten grand a year yet to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And then, so like you also mentioned that uh, SendGrid has a nice deliverability guide. Yes, they do. Um, if you go to their website or just Google SendGrid deliverability guide, it's like a like a thirty or forty page document, and it just kind of goes over a lot of what we've talked about in this podcast, and then just a lot of best practices that you should follow as well. Okay. Well, I can have a link to uh, link to that in the show notes at themcmethod.com. If you just go to Google as well, like you said, if you look up SendGrid deliverability guide, it's the first one. It's a PDF there. So it looks like there's two versions of it as well. Man, this yep. has been uh, this has been epic. I think this has been one of the most like as far as uh, like detail info packed podcast. This this would probably be right near the top, if not at the very top. Because <laughs> if someone's listening to this and they get a notepad, I, you know I've got all the, I've got this in front of me, so I haven't been writing it down. But if I had a notepad, I'd have a few pages of notes right now. Yeah, there's a lot of action steps. I think if you're you're going to do one of these things and just uh, start moving in that direction, I'd make sure you have your SPF and DKIM records set up. That's uh, basic blocking and tackling of email deliverability. Um, so if you don't have those set up, that'd be my, my first step. It's on the list, man. I'm probably going to do that. I'll do that later today. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Well, before, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this stuff. If, uh, if someone wants to learn more about you or maybe get in contact and ask you a question, you know, if that's okay with you, where's the best place for them to go and do that? Uh, I'm on Twitter. My user ID is MatthewDP, D as in dog, P as in pony. Uh, my personal blog, I talk about entrepreneurship and business and technology and stuff like that, um, is mattpaulson.com. Paulson is P-A-U-L-S-O-N. And then uh, my email address is just matt at mattpaulson.com feel free to email me 
and I usually get back to people pretty quickly. Cool. All right, I'll have links, like I said, on the show notes at Matt, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Oh,